Welcome back and thanks for tuning in to Oil & Gas Onshore, where I am on a relentless pursuit to bring value, unity, and information to the energy industry one conversation at a time. So sit back, relax, and remember that even this very device you're listening on requires some form of hydrocarbon. This episode is brought to you by our new sponsor for the Oil & Gas Onshore podcast. A big shout out to Technip FMC, a company who truly represents the future of the oil and gas industry. Hey everyone, look, not only do you get awesome weekly content by listening, now you've got a chance to win some serious swag brought to you by Technip FMC. Each week, one lucky listener will win a bundle of gear, which includes everything I'm about to list. Seriously, everything. An audio duffel bag, a Yeti tumbler, an executive power bank power charger, a Columbia neck gator, and a set of Ace Pods 2.0, which are the true wireless Bluetooth earbuds. All you got to do is click the link in the show notes and enter your information to win. Simple. Now go get your swag on. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm here at the Houston Cannon with Riley Norris, technical sales at Patriot Drilling Services. Any relation to Chuck? I get that question often. No, I, know. I wish that joke. I wish there was. No, no, <laughs> no. no. Maybe some distant relative. I've never seen any trickle down effect of that relationship okay. if there is. But are you as powerful as Chuck Norris? Only one way to find out, Justin. Okay, <laughs> we'll let the audience decide. We'll let the market decide <laughs> after this. But no, it's a pleasure to have you on. I know we've. I mean, we've kind of known each other for a while on sure. whether it's social media, networking events, which now it's great because we can actually network and be in person. Mm-hmm. We met at the what was it? We had met at a clay shoot. Couple weeks back, what, what yeah, was that? OHH clay that's, shoot. That's right. Yeah, yeah. we bumped uh, we bumped into each other a few times before, yeah. but finally got to shake hands and chat a little bit. Yeah, you know, I didn't get to shoot, but it looked like a good time. Yeah, neither did I. I was busy actually handing out poutines. Yes, that was I great, and I can't take full credit for it. Actually, a colleague of mine, Nate Eric, is a fellow Canadian as well. He had the idea to bring all the the goodies for that, and I've actually been axed on bringing anything to our cookouts because the last time I brought. Like, oh yeah, just bring what you think, you know, would be good. And this was like a couple of years ago. And I'm pretty sure I, I went to like either Sprouts or Whole Foods and bought organic hamburger buns with, and that were like really healthy. And, and they like, like looked at this? them and they're like, okay, you're no longer in charge of anything to do with bringing food to a cookout. And I'm like, I don't know. Anyway, Nate brought all the goodies. So he brought the fries, the gravy and not cheese curds because that's what you actually need for a proper poutine. But he brought some like just regular shredded cheese um, he brought nacho cheese like a texan yeah. <laughs> yeah it wasn't what's that yellow creamy cheese that queso queso yeah it wasn't that which actually might be pretty good like a mexican canadian poutine yeah. wow we just invented something right this truck. is great right yeah. holy smokes what a yeah. great idea three flags cook off you seen that going on in middle i think it's this yeah, week the guys from social octane i think i saw on linkedin Looks like fun. yeah oh, I, I, it would be great actually it's funny speaking of linkedin you know, it's funny, LinkedIn, there's always debacle and, you know, debates and arguments and people flexing. But there was somebody on there that they were complaining about Canada. And then, you know, there was a little bit of controversy back and forth about like, oh, the Canadian government, this and this, that and the other. And then one of the guys from social law said, hey, well, why don't you guys can come down to the three fags cook off like any Texas is welcoming everybody. And so it was funny because it kind of threw like a little bit of comical relief into this yeah. like super intense discussion. And right. of course, being Canadian, I had to put my two cents in there. And I like I don't like to try to stir the pot too much, but I have, you know, a position on certain things. And I think it was a, it was a fair comment. And I forget what I said. I just said, you know, it's unfortunate to see, you know, because there's a lot of people that are struggling up there. And my mom actually had a terrible experience with the Canadian customs as she was trying to go from Mexico into Canada, which in the last episode, I described it. So I'm not going to go through the whole entire deal. But I said, I'm just I'm happy to be in the US right now. I was a former Canadian and someone went on there and said, oh, well, 
you know, it looks like something to the effect where, well, that turned out good for you guys now that Biden's in. And it was just like, really? Like, I wouldn't say anything about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It has nothing to do with Biden. It has to do with like me being able to like actually go to places and seeing, you know, the Texas and U.S. economy slowly start building back. And, you know, the fact that I can travel state to state and they're not stopping me at a stoplight and telling me to go home because I'm not because I'm not vaccinated, you know, so it's like, there's, there's just like, okay, like, do we have to go there? Like right away? You know well, what I mean? <laughs> social media, you have to go there. Apparently I do my best to steer away from it, but somebody will pull you back into it. Yeah. Are you from Calgary? So I was born in Calgary. And then when I was five, I moved out close to Vancouver and then I was raised there, which if anyone's familiar with British Columbia, I was raised in Vernon, British Columbia. Okay. So Kelowna, Sycamus, Kamloops, Kelowna, Revelstoke, they're all kind of in the Valley. And so anyway, they call it late country, which Oh, I think about it. I miss it. But is that uh, all like east of Whistler? And- yeah. So if you picture like if you have Vancouver and Calgary, it's like dead smack in the middle. Gotcha. Calgary to Vernon's about six hours, and then Vernon to Vancouver is about six hours. So it's right in the middle, and it's kind of the the valley they call it. So you know, you're if you're in Calgary, you head west and you go into the Rocky Mountains and all this, mm-hmm. you know, switchbacks this and that. Well, then you get into kind of like this this valley mountainous area and then once you go a little further west and you kind of get into the mountains again and then it goes back down into sort of slopes into it like vancouver and, and whistler's all north of there have you been to whistler no a group of my friends we try to pick a different mountain and ski every year oh, or so cool. and we were talking about going to whistler Whistler's- i follow a bunch of like mountain bike pages that oh, are you all- do oh I- cool i don't even own a mountain bike yeah <laughs> I- all my favorite hobbies are dreams of mine that's it's good. A, and all my favorite hobbies I'm pretty terrible at. Like we were talking about golf. <laughs> yeah. Golf, mountain bikes, <laughs> cooking. Well, it gives you something fishing, to look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> it's, all, it's all things I love to do. I'm just not good at any of them. That's great, man. Because, well, if you were good at all of them, you'd have nothing to look forward to. Yeah, right? Exactly. So you always got to be working towards something. I'm a like project guy, right? Like I'm I'm restoring like an old '90s specialized mountain bike in my garage right now. Oh, you and are. By restoring, I mean like once a week I'll go do one step of the process. Hey, it's that's cool. Take you, a couple but, months, but it's you fun. know. What? The process. You yeah. got to enjoy the process and everything. Tinkerer, you do. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's in Canada, we call them putzers. My dad, it was funny because I made fun of my dad growing up. He'd be putzing in the garage. He would say, Oh, I'm just going to go putz in the garage for a bit. I'm like, What are you doing in the garage? Like, what is so intriguing about being in the garage? Now, as a father of two young kids and a husband, I love my putzing time in the garage. <laughs> it's like, You've been here for two hours and haven't accomplished a thing. And I'm like, Yes, sweetie, I know, but I'm figuring this out. So, can I please just go back to putzing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Rhett came out and my son, Daddy, what are you doing in the garage? I was like, I'm messing with my bike. And he's like, I'll mess with mine too. And he knocks his bike over and he starts grabbing the tool and hammering yeah. on it and stuff. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. And it, it's cool kids seeing parents do things, right? Because they want to mimic what you're doing. And you know, if I'm doing something in the garage or whether it's in the yard or just anything physical, my son, even my daughter, actually, I ended up buying her this like little tool set. It's, you know, from Home Depot is like black and purple. And so she's Perfect. got all her little tools and she'll like grab two pieces of wood and like somehow like, you know, mangle them together with mm-hmm. like, whether it's nails or glue or just tools and stuff that we have. But yeah, they love messing with things. And, you know, if I'm washing the truck or something, you know, my daughter will take her little electric Jeep or four wheeler that we bought her and she'll start washing it. And it's cool because they feel like, oh, if daddy's doing this or if mommy's doing this, then well, we better start doing this because yeah. that's just the thing to do because yeah, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, it is, right? They love it. And they don't really don't know why they're doing it, but they love doing things. How old are they? My daughter's five and my son's two. So it's a fun age. They're a lot of work, but uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. So you, you made it in here. You have your rain jacket on, which is obvious, right? Because it was like a tsunami last nasty, night here yeah. in Houston. So for the listeners, we're recording this on May 19th. 
And yeah, it was quite the storm last night, but thankfully my kids slept through it all. Do you have kids? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you just yeah, said yeah, you did. Yeah. Rhett is your son, you Rhett's said? My did, son. Did, they, yeah, did he, he slept sleep? right through. So really? he, he sleeps pretty light, but for whatever reason, wow. he was out cold last night. Oh, man. that's I always say, like, you know, if it's bad weather, I don't mind being up because it's okay. But if my kids are up, it's I feel like it's just like, it's harder for me to get back to bed if my kids are up and, oh, yeah, you know, they're scared. It's twice or, as hard. Yeah. So, but no, I was like, similar to you. My kids, you know, slept through it, thankfully. Anyway, so let's see here. Actually, before we get going, I really need to mention some fascinating technology provided by our sponsor, Technip FMC. Their new and integrated iComplete ecosystem is digitally enabled and delivers efficiency benefits by dramatically reducing the components and connections while simultaneously providing real-time data to operators about the WellPad operations. Technip FMC is continuing to push the limits in order to achieve full frack automation. To discover more about the benefits of iComplete, click the link in the show notes or check them out on LinkedIn. You can also check out Coldboard Technologies. I did a podcast episode with Brett Shell. I don't know if you're familiar with oh, that. Yeah. yeah. Fellow Calgarian, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got a lot of respect for him. He's he's you know, he's kind of that counterculture look. He's all tatted up. Right. And, you know, you will follow him on Instagram, he's always posting cool stuff. But no, it's just a good dude from Calgary and just pushing the limits and everything he does, which I've I admire. Had, I've had a few calls him over the years. He's worked on a couple of things that kind of, if I'm remembering correctly, leaned into the directional drilling it space. It could be. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't really know too much about cold bore technologies and what they've done outside of kind of sort of their partnership with, with TechNip and, and sort of the the push for frack automation, what we just mentioned. But yeah, just a good group of folks up there that, you know, he's making some huge waves here in the US. So I'm, I'm super pumped for him. But anyway, so Riley... You know, just kind of taking a step back, last year's been pretty crazy. How are you innovating this year? I mean, whether it's personal branding, whether it's business, directional sales, whatever, you know, how are you kind of like trying to sort of cannonball your way out of the mess that we just experienced? Does anything come to mind? Sure. I mean, like a lot, like my profile showing, like what a lot of people have been talking about, tequila, graphene, stuff like that. Just trying to diversify a little bit, occupy a little bit of my time as, you know, as we kind of open back up and we can start doing the the Texas classic of showing up with breakfast tacos and stuff like that. <laughs> I know it's right? been a little tough trying to get in front of people. You know, you can only call guys, text, check in so much. If they're still at home with their families, they're not, you know, yeah. they may not be visiting clients as often. People are still limiting office visits, right? So yeah. a lot of people are still not, are still working from home. Yeah. You know, it's tough to get guys that are hooked up with a couple rigs to get out for lunch. If they're working from home, they're probably helping to, you know, keep the, keep the kids corralled, yeah. you know? So, yeah, no, it's so um, true. But yeah, the graphene and the tequila stuff, just something fun to do on the side. Keeps well, me kind of busy. Let's start with graphene. What sure. What is that? And what, I mean, tell us about that. No yeah. idea. So I've talked a little bit about this on JP's podcast, but I'll, I'll shout out to JP and around the rotary. Great guy. Yeah. It actually has a lot of applications uh, similar to what some stuff you worked on too. FMC as well. Graphene's a naturally anticorrosive compound, right? Okay. So it's molecular graphite. Ah. It's a very simple version of, of graphite. If you cluster graphene, you get graphite. I'm not the chemical or, or engineer that needs to explain this properly. Sure. But yeah, sales yeah. to sales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, with you. I'm with you. So graphene has some really incredible properties when separated from graphite, right? Okay. Like I said, it's naturally anti-corrosive. It's planular, meaning it's really a two-dimensional object. Okay. So like plates, like, exactly. like they stack right, really right, well, right? right? Yeah. And in different applications can create some really great properties, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of what I do is graphene infused coatings Wow! for friction reduction, corrosion resistance. I'm working on a couple of things, trying to slow erosion, which is kind of a tough thing to do, but like an MWD, right? Yeah. We want to prevent washouts in of our course. components, especially when you're using metals like beryllium copper that can be very 
susceptible to wash through, you know, chlorides and low grabs and stuff like that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slowing yeah. erosion means we can outlast the bit. That's huge, right? right. Yeah. So what um, about bit applications? Are you talking to bit folks too? Oh, or? sure. I mean, there's, I think, some people that have looked at jets, PDC cutters, and different kinds of graphing applications for that. No kidding. Um, oh, yeah. The manufacturing partner I work with, they work with Flint Hills Resources, NOV. They've worked, I mean, they've got a whole portfolio of oil and gas brands. But it's interesting yeah, because huge. they don't they don't exactly know what they're doing. Yeah. As, um, I mean, as far as like what they're working on, they just they're given a part or a piece or an abstract, and they're like, "Hey, can you co-, and they, you know bring it to them? Hey, can you coat this? Can you treat this?" And they they do it. Yeah. And, I, and I'm just kind of an independent marketing arm with those guys. Some great overlap. We're doing some stuff with Patriot right now. Cool. For, like I said, like erosion resistance. And then they do fun stuff too, like firearms, bicycles. I was going to say, because yeah. you could probably overlap into a lot of different industries, anything that has metal or like sure. any type of coating, I guess. No, that that's really actually pretty cool. Graphene lubricants are huge right so, now. So right, so in my mind, I was thinking, because I'm obviously on the drilling fluid side, and we use graphite in our drilling fluids for, you know, for friction reduction. And, right. you know, if you're having torque issues, throw some mm-hmm. graphite in there. And so, you know, I'm sure there's some application there on the fluid side of things, and especially like you said, anti-corrosion as well. So that's pretty cool. What, I mean, how long have you been doing that? I met the partners in probably November of 2019. Okay. I was walking my dogs and went and said hi. And I was like, what do you guys do here? I saw y'all do some stuff with guns. I Googled your shop and then became really close friends with them. And I no go way. check in with them every couple of days and just said, hey, y'all are working on some cool technology. I had heard of graphene, just reading tech articles. I'm a bit of a nerd. I go on popular science or whatever. You no, know, that's great. You know, stuff like that. And yeah. I, I had read a little bit about it, didn't really understand the application and still don't exactly know all of it. <laughs> sure. But you understand where the value is in certain applications and right. that's what's important. And a lot of people, they just don't know the difference between graphene and graphite. Yeah. Because the, the words are almost similar. So they assume they're using graphene, but graphene when separated from graphite acts a little bit differently. Okay. So a lot of what I do in Gulf Coast Graphene, my I gave myself that concept integration consultant title just because yeah. all I really do is I, I reach out to people that may be using graphite products like you said, you know, sweeps or coatings or whatever, yeah, lubricants. And I just say, hey, have you tried it with graphene? I reach out to my manufacturers. So these guys want to try it, give them a sample and boom, go from there. Yeah. So, and, and you don't have to get into the full details, but right away, especially in this environment, it's all about cost, right? So I would imagine the manufacturing cost is a little more than regular graphite. So right. I guess you have to kind of outweigh the you cost to, versus the benefit, ref- right? This might be the wrong word to use, but you have to kind of refine graphene out of graphite okay so to speak sure okay and there's different levels and grades of of graphene okay some better than others but so okay so okay no but i mean again we don't get in the economics behind it but but the technology is there and it sounds like there's some good applications for it which is oh definitely i mean there's a lot of lubricants out there using it like i mean i know i've i've blasted everybody on linkedin social media about bolt and barrel the firearm lubricant me and some friends started oh Um, sweet bike lubricants car lubricants i got two quarts of my formula in my Tahoe right now. Really? Yeah. Yeah. No uh, Roush Racing, the Ford Racing team, they use it. What? Yeah. Yeah. Graphene infused lubricants, man. Yeah. So just to nerd out a little bit on the yeah, science. Oh, no, yeah. Here. Let's do that. So in firearms and in, you know, engines, you have metal on metal contacts, right? And yeah. And the microscopic little nooks and crannies called asperities, the graphene fills in those little nooks and crannies. Oh, yeah. And over time, that, that repetitive metal on metal contact actually polishes into the substrate right so you wow. get a smoother action over time so for instance i my little quarantine project was building a bicycle right that's what yeah. i want to do build a little cool little road bike yeah the chain ring 
and my chain is all in a graphene coating. And then I put it under a vacuum with my graphene lubricant. And wow. so as you continue to ride, it rides smoother and smoother over time. What? Yeah. That's so cool, man. Man, I had a question right on the tip of my tongue and now I'm forgetting it. Oh, what was it? Ah, uh, yeah. Talking about lubricants and the graphene. Uh, what's stopping you from just going all in on, on the graphene stuff? I love drilling tools. Yeah. It's, I've been in it for a decade. It's a lot of fun. You know, in a lot of oil field service companies have that kind of competitive mentality, mm-hmm. right? Because you're, it's, there's a lot of competition. Yeah. But in drilling specifically, we're timed. Yeah. From spud to TD, you know what I mean? It's, you start the clock and then it, it's a stopwatch, right? We're, yep. we're all trying to race the quarter mile. Yeah. And it's fun, you know? No, uh, it is. And getting to talk to a drilling engineer who may be having some complications and you talk a little bit about stabilizer placements or, you know, rest per gallon motors or what, like, you know, fit for purpose BHAs and you start dialing something in and then you work on something with them or you source something for them that they may have not used before and then you improve their drilling times. It's yeah. fun, man. Yeah. Selling engineering is a lot of fun. That's kind of what I like about Gulf Coast Graphene. It's the same concept. I get to yeah. sell engineering. Right, right. No, that's that's neat how you you kind of stumbled upon it. And like you said, especially now after quarantine, I think a lot of people had a, a time to self-reflect and and pursue passion projects. Sure. Which, I mean, I, I don't think that Graphene was a passion project, but ultimately you kind of stumbled upon, you know, a group of folks that you aligned with. And now here you are, you know, talking about it, which is super cool. I would say my passion project is representing cool products. Yeah. Right. That's kind of, that's how it rolled into tequila. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. Okay. So here we are now talking tequila. Did you bring any shot glasses? (laughs) I mean, it is, it is, yeah, it is a 9am podcast, but I do, I I keep that thing on me, dude. It's always in the truck. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, (laughs) Riley's always rolling with a bottle of tequila. If you see me in my my Tahoe, unless I'm going to location, let let all the engineers know that in case I'm going to location. But yeah, I usually keep first. Yeah, that's right. I keep a bag with tasting glasses and a couple of our our styles no way yeah man because that's that's kind of fun to do i'll you know i'll meet some guys for lunch and i'll just call the restaurant the day before hey i have a lunch meeting there tomorrow with some clients after they leave kind of talk to the bar manager i just pour them up some samples i did it at LTMPO a couple weeks ago yes it's it's a perfect kind of transition i just stay after 30 minutes let them taste a little tequila talk about costs and good for you no that's bar managers are a lot like drilling engineers yeah they just want to have some they want to have a good product that will work when it's supposed to. Yeah. And doesn't cost a ton of money. Right. It's a pretty, exactly. re- pretty reasonable request. Yeah. No kidding. Hey. <laughs> eh? So, how did you get into tequila? Uh, a friend of mine, Ryan Townsend, he's with Energy Tubulars. Okay. Yeah. Him and I were having a beer, just chatting. We're, we're pretty good buddies. And yeah. we're talking. I was like, yeah, I'm kind of more of a tequila guy lately just because tequila is naturally just a little lighter on my body. Yeah. He mentioned he's an investor in this brand, a Texas based brand, and starts chatting, wrapping up a little bit about it. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Went and got some, tried it, reached out to the brand on Instagram. I was like, hey, I met Ryan Townsend. I love your product. I know you guys are growing. They're, they're, they launched in like March of 2020, which is a great time to launch a business, right? Yeah. I said, I'm in Houston. I've got a little free time on my hands considering everything that's going on. Got a background in the restaurant industry. Okay. You guys want to work out something on the side? They're like, sure. I've had it. No kidding. Gave me a couple of bottles and some cards, a little trial run. And there you that, was, that was back in... I think november was when i started kind of good peddling yeah. peddling the mexican sauce yeah good for you. so where it's a but it's a texas-based the, the brand's based out of dallas right okay but like all all tequila comes out of jalisco the state of jalisco in mexico yes yeah. actually that's where my mom lives is in the state of jalisco oh really yeah 
Yeah. How, wait, how does that work? She, when her and my dad retired, they went down to a little town called Malaki. Okay. And it's just south of Puerto Vallarta, like four hours. Yeah, it's called San Patricio is the name of the, like, the actual sort of area. And then the province is Jalisco. So, that's awesome. Yeah. If Yeah. And unless I'm like completely losing my mind. Um, no, that's, her, that's not about it. Yes, it's about the, that area, right? Just yeah. kind of yeah, like Barta de Navidad, Manzanillo. And yeah. Stuff. Puerto Vallarta is like, I guess the... I mean, I say this not knowing all the towns in Jalisco, obviously, but yeah. Puerto Vallarta is like the big one yeah. where people will go to and then drive inland to go to tequila tours and stuff okay. like that. Wow. I didn't realize my parents live so close to tequila land. Yeah, man. Man, they're actually, now that you say that, whenever I do go there, you know, all the folks that she kind of associates with, they always have like like just non-labeled bottles of tequila that they drive to and get it out of the drums and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. Yeah, okay. Yeah. There we go. There's one, it's almost like a liqueur tequila. And it's one of those where like you could easily drink a bunch of it, but then you probably couldn't survive the next couple of days. You'd be so hungover. But man, it's like candy. It's mm-hmm. so good. I yeah. I, again, it's just one of those like no label random things that you try when right. going to Mexico, which can get you into trouble sometimes. Sure. But you know, that's so cool. I, I love hearing that when folks coming out of, you know, quarantine and that's often the silver, silver lining is it's like, you know, leading up to that, everyone was so quote unquote busy, which, you know, everyone's busy all the time, but when you do have a little spare time and, and you really actually put sort of some vision into action, it's cool. And then, and I mean, here you are now you've got a few things and it's nice to diversify. You know, I know that's one thing I like about, you know, for me and diversifying is just kind of when you've got multiple balls and when one is not doing so hot, you can kind of take a step back and have some perspective and say, well, wow, this isn't going so well today, but I got all these other great things happening in my life. And it kind of like, for me, keeps me positive. Whereas like before when I was strictly focused on, you know, selling dirt in a bag and chasing rigs and, you know, if, and maybe at the time you only had one customer and if that's not going well, then the entire world's crumbling. But right. when you got multiple things going on, it just, it's uplifting to know if one thing's not doing well, you can always kind of focus on the other and say, okay, well, I'll work on this to get it better. But in the meantime, I can at least still be happy knowing this is going well. Right. And luckily these non-competing things that I'm, I'm working on, yeah, graphene, lubricants, tequila, drilling tools, yeah. none of these things overlap, but they overlap in a healthy way. Yeah, so like I'll point. hit up a drilling engineer. Hey man, I'm gonna go do a tequila tasting. You want to join me? Yeah. They're like, yeah, sure. I'm Absolutely. Like, we're going to try a couple of different tequilas. I'll have some of mine out there. And then we're going to talk to this, you know, this bartender is a friend of mine and yeah. whatever. And like, we, we just go chop it up with and try a few tequilas. And, <laughs> yes. and then we'll go to the range and fire off a couple of rounds and show my, how my lubricant works and stuff. Right. Like that. So, yeah. Tequila and shooting gun. That's yeah. a good. Well, shooting guns and then tequila. Right. Right. Oh, okay. That's how you do it. <laughs> you See, gotta, in Canada, you we don't do that order. <laughs> we do a lot of tequila and drinking, but not too much gun shooting. So I wasn't sure, sure the order there. But uh, yeah, I'm glad you clarified upon, that. You go into the shooting range with a buzz on. <laughs> <laughs> with a bottle of tequila yeah, yeah tasting at the gun range that's mm-hmm. i don't know if that's probably in texas that might be legal i have no idea but where'd you grow up oh man 10 minutes from here mm. yeah yeah you go up the beltway wow. there you hit 290 i went to high school right there in jersey village i grew up off of fairbanks by the horse track i'm okay h-town down born and raised yeah, yeah so man. did you growing up here did you get to experience Astro World? I experienced Astro World. I will say I am not a roller coaster guy. Okay. I was not like I went there and I was mostly just like trying to flirt with girls and have fun. Right? Oh, yeah. But, okay. um, yeah. I was that guy. <laughs> you want to go on this roller coaster? I was like, not me. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to hang out over here with the ladies. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's right. I definitely don't have a need for speed. Sure. That way. Okay. No worries. But no, I definitely experienced Astro World, the Astrodome. Okay. Cool. I mean, I remember when 290 was like very small. Now you could like land a jumbo jet on it, right? Yeah. I've wow. seen, yeah, I've seen Houston kind of blow up. I bet. I Especially bet. the Northwest kind of 
burbs, right? Yeah. No, I think Cinco Ranch growing. wasn't a thing. Right. Probably was <laughs> just a, a bunch of field over there. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Well, I mean, like the neighborhood, the neighborhood where, that my high school was in, Jersey Village, yeah. is called that because it was a, a farm for Jersey cows. Oh, it was? That's what, that's what I called Jersey Village. No way. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. learned something new today. Yeah. I learned actually quite a few things today, but that one's another one. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So How you, long have you been in Houston? I've been here since 2000. Well, it's kind of so in a roundabout way since 2011, but then I moved to Denver and I was on an assignment over there for about a year and a half or so. So I was, I had a, an apartment there. My wife lived here in the home that we built. So I was traveling back and forth, but like officially like here full time since 2013. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I've never been to Calgary. I hear it's actually like Calgary and Houston are like Calgary's the Houston of Canada, if I'm saying that correctly. Yeah, I've never so, been to Canada, so yeah, yeah, no. It, I mean, it, I would say Denver and Calgary are a little more comparable, just by way of kind of geographically, and then you know, for oil and gas, everything in Calgary's downtown. It's, it's it's a centralized industry up there from a corporate perspective, where you, you've got kind of all your service companies and all your shops, if you you know what I mean, up in right. Niski, which is mm-hmm. close to Edmonton, just right. north of Calgary. But Calgary's where all the headquarters are. So, you know, all the big companies, that's where all the headquarters are. The company I work for is headquartered out of Calgary, downtown. So it's similar to Denver. It's, you know, Denver's got a lot of their oil, oil and gas operators downtown, service companies, office downtown. So you really have that centralized community aspect, which is super cool. And then the sizes are pretty comparable. But you can certainly relate Houston to Calgary where it's the hub, right? right. Like Denver's a hub, but Houston is like the hub. And so that for, for Canada, Calgary is that way as well. And so, I mean, if you're in oil and gas in, in Canada, you'll ultimately probably end up in Calgary at one point. And similar to here, I mean, whether it's Oklahoma City, you know, Houston, Dallas, Tulsa, Denver, Pittsburgh now, obviously. But again, I would relate Denver and Calgary to be more similar, but I love Calgary. It's sad to see the kind of the landscape up there right now. There's a lot of challenges happening, but it's beautiful. I miss it back home, but you I've know. worked with a lot of Canadians over the years in directional. I, bet. I, worked, I worked at Phoenix for a little bit. Yeah. We were actually, our, when I was at Phoenix, our shop was right around the corner from here, like mm-hmm. right right back here. Yeah. They since have moved a little further north, but yeah. Well, Phoenix, where they are now is right by my, right by the part of town I live in. Oh, but yeah, okay. I worked with a bunch of guys from Calgary there. No and kidding. then when I was at Wellbenders, our, one of our MWD managers, Larry Wright. Yeah. I play hockey with him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Larry's a good dude. <laughs> yeah. He's so cool. Man. We give him a hard time about being Canadian. He like refer to stuff in meters. We're like, hey, man. Yeah. Okay, freedom you- units, buddy. <laughs> Freedom units. I've never heard of that. Put it around here. <laughs> I love that. I'm surprised I have not heard that. Knowing the group I work with, they give me a hard time about being Canadian all the time. Yeah. Was your now, boy going to play hockey? Larry's uh, two boys play hockey. Yeah. They y'all, play over, y'all play over here on I 10? Yeah, on Memorial. And I'll throw a plug in there after for our Memorial City Mall ice two week. Nice. You know, but yeah. So I say that to say it depends. If he wants to, for sure. Like I'll explain. It's funny because I've, I've bought in like every toddler sport piece of equipment yeah, you can possibly too. find, right? <laughs> Golf club, baseball bat, tee, you know, gloves. Plastic basketball goal. Oh, the basketball yeah. goal. That actually yeah. set, is in our living room and it's set up. So anytime he needs to throw down some ball, then he right. can. Then we bought him the little hockey sticks with the, with the balls. And so he gets exposure to whatever he wants. And But he loves, because, well, my daughter's in baseball now, so he loves hitting the ball, which is cool. And then he's got these little hockey sticks where he'll go around and he'll just hit stuff with them and so if he wants to play hit his sister yeah oh yeah he hits her with a lot of stuff too which is funny because now he's getting kind of strong and so she manhandled him quite well uh-huh. for the first couple of years and now he's almost three and he weighs just as about as much as her she does and he's pretty strong so he'll and it's funny now and 
Yeah, I don't know where. I mean, we've watched football on TV a little bit here and there, but he's, you know, he wasn't at the age where he'd actually watch it, but he'll just, he'll run at her and he'll just do like a great form tackle. It's so funny. And, and he'll yell tackle and he'll, he'll go into her and lay his shoulder into her, into her, wrap her up and then drag her down. And I'm just like, wow, you got the natural talent there. That's good. But if he wants to play hockey, heck, he can do it. Curling, whatever. Doesn't sure. matter to me as long as he's active. <laughs> I told my son the same thing. So I signed him up. He did like a little soccer summer camp and then he did. Cool. He's done a couple seasons of baseball. I don't, I can't tell if he likes baseball or not. He'll come off a game where he gets a hit and he's like, I freaking love baseball. He'll <laughs> yeah. come off a game where he kind of sits in left field and no one hits in the ball and he's like, Dad, baseball's boring. I don't do this. You're right. He That's did, like my daughter. Yeah. He yeah. did a season of basketball and he, he seemed to like that. How old is he? He'll be seven in August. Okay. Yeah. So he's still trying to figure things out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and he's like, I don't know if I want to play baseball anymore. I was like, dude, you can do whatever you want. You want to race bicycles? You want to play hockey? You want to do, I don't know, whatever yeah. obscure thing you want to do? I was like, as long as you do something and you want to be good at it, because I think that yeah. that competitive drive oh, big time. pushes you and everything else the rest of your life. Like I played I played baseball as a little kid and then moved into basketball and I still I still play basketball this day. Oh, you do? Oh man, I go Where to the at? gym at Lifetime Fitness here in Champions. I, I played last night. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm the old guy that's got gray hair now playing with all these like 19, 20-year-old kids. Dude, that are just I, like, I grew up playing competitive basketball and it's something yeah, that I... Yeah, I do too. I love it. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll have to chat some more then. I'd love Lace to come up, man. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, it's... Yeah, I love getting on the court. When I lived in Calgary, I played quite a bit like pickup basketball yeah. and... I played a little bit down here at 24 Hour Fitness. Mm -hmm. Like every Saturday, there was like a huge group of people. So, but yeah, I miss it. And I'm glad to know someone else because down here, it's like basketball is big in the US, but not in oil and gas. Yeah, <laughs> There's not too many yeah. people who play basketball in oil and gas. No, it's like, not at all. You, you might be able to get a softball league or a clay shoot or something like that. Yeah. I've talked about that on LinkedIn a few times about getting like a social sports group in oil and gas together. Yeah. We need to, we need to work on that. So, actually, funny you say that. So we do, and I'll just actually mention it right now. If anyone's out in Houston area interested in playing oil field hockey, we do it every two weeks at Memorial City Mall Ice Rink. It's called the Hack and Whack League. And so what I was, I actually had reached out right before COVID because we do that every two weeks. And then on the on the alternate weeks, I wanted to do like a pickup basketball at Lifetime Fitness. So I was going to see if we could rent from like, say like one o'clock to three o'clock, some courts dedicated to whatever name we wanted to call it, like the Oldman's Basketball League or something. Sure. And then just have it open. Like, and if it's just two or three people show up, you know, you play 21 or right. like whatever, like just, yeah, yeah. you know, or if somehow you get it good enough to where you can do half court ball. down for that. Cool. We'll need, we need to chat and organize that. So anyway, so let's kind of keep going here. This has been a great discussion <laughs> and we're just making things happen, obviously everyone out there. So if you like basketball, then hit one of us up. Hopefully we got something lined up here soon. So with regards to directional, you know, automation is a big thing. Sure. Technology. Now everyone's trying to get, you know, fancy with it. And, you know, one thing that I noticed right before COVID, I was working in house for a pretty large operator and it was interesting because there was directional folks in there and they were, they were able to manage multiple rigs with one person. So mm -hmm. what kind of innovation is happening in the directional space just in general? Maybe you guys have some cool stuff, but, but more so from just a sort of macro perspective. I mean, what is the drive right now in directional, would you say? For going for automating directional? A drilling? Anything. Like where are people no, putting no, their focus on? Great question. And I ask operators the same thing because for the last couple of years, every acronym that has a networking event, IADD, AADE, IADC, <laughs> yeah. has been talking about automation in the directional drilling process. So my first question is, okay, cool, let's discuss the workflow. Because right now, I could very easily send one directional driller out to location. Mm. I can rig up remote comms. I can have a sat link from my office right here off the Beltway in Veterans Memorial yeah. that goes straight to the rig floor. 
I can buzz. I can hit one for the for the driller's chair. Hey, Bubba, pick up. Driller picks up. Hey, man, rotate to the double down. We're going to slide. From Houston, I can call to him. No, I can see exactly what the tool phases are going to do. I can line up tool phases remote with him. The driller knows how to operate the rig. Yeah. Hey, man, give me two wraps to the right. Yeah. Boom, get my tool face, get a little reactive. He's down to bottom. Boom, dialed in. Cool, set on bottom. Let's drill 10 feet. Yeah. I can do that now, but the the communication and the workflow is still kind of this gray area, right? Okay. And it's it's figuring out how we're going to effectively communicate this well. An operator that I've heard that did it was, I believe, Hess and the Bakken. Okay. They, they had a case study where they were, they were nailing curves because they were having their directional drillers really just float the rigs and focus on curves. Wow. And so I'm blanking on the guy's name. I think it was Willie Thompson. I could be quoting that improperly. Sorry. But he said, what was cool about it is that when directional drillers who are, you know, tradesmen, right? When you're doing something repetitive, like you're focusing on curves, your curves get better because they're dialed in. Think about if you work a rotation, right? And you do a four well pad, Mm -hmm. you may knock out a couple curves. And then the way your rotation works, you may do all laterals the next time and not drill another curve. Yeah for three months. Right. Right. Yeah. So if you have your DDs focus on just your curves, they're all kind of being able to, they know exactly how that curve went on this, on this right. rig down the road. Yeah. You know how this one's going to drill their doubt. And they remember those, it's muscle memory. That, right. That's interesting actually. Cause you could almost have SMEs focus on like, like let's just hypothetically speaking, say whatever Exxon's use them as a bunch of rigs and you've got, you know, instead of working like yeah, somehow having like say a remote ops guy working or a lady working at the office and all he or she, they or them does is do the curves and, and, and they're focused on that every they just only do curves. And then you know how you have the other, you know, say other people only focus on laterals, you know, somehow breaking that up to where, yeah, they're the ones constantly seeing it day after day after day after day. Cause you're you're right, especially if you're drilling a six well pad. I mean, I know for one of the operators we have, they're a large operator. And then they don't drill the fastest wells, but granted it's, it's, it's a function of where they, where they're drilling, but yeah, we may spud the first surface hole and then we may TD the last one, like eight months later. Yep. Like it's and so, yeah, when you're only drilling laterals for those two or three months and you kind of get good at them, well then you may not see a lateral for, I don't know, another four months. Right. So that concept actually makes a lot of sense. So. Right. Huh. And the way I would like to see, this is just from background and kind of I was in MWD operations before I got into, you know, account sales or account representative. The way I kind of see it working is we at directional drilling companies, we have a few guys that are remote ops. We've already done the remote MWD. That's easy. We can do remote MWD. We can log surveys from anywhere, right? Yeah. But I want to have some drilling optimization guys that work for us that are plotting EDR data for operators so Mm. they get a tower they get a tower report mid tower and end of tower from patriot that Mm. says hey here's how drilling's going here's what we're seeing in rotation here's what your torque has done over the last six hours right Mm -hmm. you know what i mean just general drilling stats yeah and then we have a directional sme in-house and again this only works when you're on multiple rigs right yeah there's a lot of people that want to talk to you about remote drilling and they've only got one rig and it's like well that doesn't really you can't really remote so much stuff. You know what I mean? But, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I get it. Only so much you can remote. If, yeah. You might as well just go to the rig. Right? Yeah, exactly. But having that directional SME that's kind of monitoring everything. And then your field directional guy is there as just a, a project manager. 
His job is to make sure that BHA gets picked up correctly. He monitors slides with the driller and he communicates with the company man. Because the way the, the way I see this work and the way I see a, a couple of operators that have asked me about this or had this these kind of talks with me is that they want field directional drillers to move into contract positions for the operator. They get hired as directional superintendents mm -hmm. and they focus on, like I was saying, like what has to curve times. Yeah. They focus on curves. They monitor slides. They make sure that the directional aspect of the job is is maintaining and kind of staying on even keel across a multi-rig project. Program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that workflow, again, is just something that we all need to discuss or clearly define because I think, and it, this happens with pretty much everything in the industry, the majors do it mm -hmm. and then the smaller companies want to do it, but they may not have the same infrastructure, right? And so it's figuring out how to put those pieces in place for your tier two and tier three kind of operators. Yeah. Same thing with service companies. Sure. So Lumberjay releases rotary steerable and everybody else gets it a couple years later. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how it goes. That is. No, that is. And that's a very interesting conversations. And hopefully once the offices open up and a little more, you know, interaction rather than just like the daily ops meetings or, you know, the email asking you why you're doing things a certain way, you know, can spark some ideas and, and hopefully kind of fine tune things. You know, before we get going, we're coming to the top of the hour here. I do want to kind of close up with a couple of personal questions, which are always sort of interesting. Uh oh. Yeah, nothing too invasive. <laughs> don't worry. But, you know, someone like yourself, you got a bunch of things going on. You know, obviously, an individual who's a high performer. What do you have any daily habits or routines that contribute to the success? I mean, is there anything that you do specifically in the morning, in the night to kind of recalibrate and recharge? I mean, what does that look like for you? Uh, I mean, personally, if. I've gone a couple of days without some solid exercise or, or personal time. Yeah. Meaning putzing in the garage or something yeah, like that. Yeah. I mean, I can tell when I start getting irritable and short and lazy yeah. that it's time to, I need to go, I need to go run a few games at the gym or I yeah. need to go lift or I need to go for a run or I need to go ride my bike. I can tell. Yeah. My body just gets lethargic. I'm kind of a grump. Okay. You know, my no. kids are kind of, I'm a little shorter with the kids, like kind of I get snapping it. at them a little bit. I'm like, hold, hold on guys, give me, give daddy 30 minutes and I'll just go yeah. bang out a workout real quick. And it's like, okay, get some of that bad energy out. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, yes. No, that's a good level of self-awareness. Go, go in and go for a little trail run, you know, and stuff like that kind of clears my head. Very cool. No, I love it, man. I think it's important for us to decompress and to have some, you know, it's, to be selfless, you have to be a little selfish because sure. you can't pour from an empty cup. Right. And, and, and so it's whatever that looks like for you or for anybody, it's it's kind of refilling that cup to where you can pour it out more for other people. It's it's important. Yeah. You know? And I mean, last year, sure, we all had a lot of free time, but this industry, our operation is 24-7, right? Mm -hmm. Rigs don't shut down for nighttime. This industry can very easily creep and it's and it does i mean i was an mwd coordinator for years i was always on the phone middle of the night and stuff like that yeah it can creep into your life and mental health although a general kind of phrase but like yeah being able to tell people hey man i, I need a few minutes and just I'm, I'm gonna be off the comms for a couple hours this afternoon yeah well, what are you doing i'm, I'm clearing my head give, yeah. give me a minute you know i know like, it's you got you, you need to tell your people that because you're going to start doing the same thing even internally with within your company you're gonna start snapping at people being short yeah and, and just and manage and, and we as managers need to recognize that too. If you got a guy who's burning the candle at both ends, you need to be able to tell him, Hey man, let me take your calls for half a day. Yeah. Go chill with your family or you know, go play some golf or you know what I mean? Like you wanna you gotta let people recognize their personal time. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. And that could be a whole another topic is just the mental health and, and sort of the 
burnout that we we have as as people within our industry that could um, be a whole episode for you it, it could <laughs> and, and i would i would love to have someone who maybe specializes in, and it would probably have to be a larger corporation that has a massive hr department but to kind of see how people, you know, especially large companies are navigating that. But again, total could be a whole nother topic, which is very interesting to me. And just by way of it's, you know, historically, I think people wore it as a badge of honor to work to themselves to death. And He's, that is changing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I've seen a lot of that and that, that needs to change. It does. It does. Well, look, I mean, I would love, we'll have to maybe do a round two on that because it, it's something that obviously there's a level of passion behind that for you as well. But for everyone out there, you know, appreciate the support. If you could leave a review, subscribe, share it with anyone who you f- might find it interesting. If you have a good story or if there's someone out there who has a good story that you'd like to recommend to come on the show, I, I welcome them all. And so with that said, I'd like to take a moment to tell everyone about some upcoming OGGN events. Hey, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for June 2021. This month, we have six events. But if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events that I talk about here. We even include events that occurred two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. This month, OGGN will be hosting two events. One is online and one is in person. For our online event, we're hosting a live stream titled Deal Value Creation, M&A and ONG. This is going to be on June the 2nd. And for our in-person event, we're relaunching our happy hours. It's been far too long since we had a good happy hour, so I'm sure plenty of you will be excited to hear that our next happy hour will be at the Cannon in Houston, Texas on June 24th. At this event, you'll be able to meet some of OGGN's hosts and network with other oil and gas industry professionals, all while enjoying great food and drinks. We hope to see you there. Other than OGGN's events, we have two in-person and two online events. First up, we have our two in-person events, which are the Energy Capital Conference on June 2nd at the Omni Houston Hotel and the U.S. Police and Fire Championships from June 10th to the 21st. The Police and Fire Championships will be hosted in multiple locations, so make sure to check out our events newsletter for more information about that. Next, we have our two online events, the first being the Post-Industrial Summit Series. This event actually started on May 4th, but it'll be ending later this month on June 22nd, so there's still plenty to see. And our second online event is the Big Data Industry Summit from June 9th to 10th. If you have any questions about these events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for June. I hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in. Great. Thanks. So Riley, this has been a pleasure, man. If someone's interested to hear more about what you've got going on, whether on the tequila, directional or graphene side of things, how can they reach out? What's the best way? Oh man, I'm on LinkedIn often. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Look Good. me up on there. Yeah, I'll put I'll, your I'll, link in the show notes. So yeah, they, great, got man. I'll chat about all of it. So Yeah, awesome, buddy. Well, with everyone out there, appreciate it. And always remember, when the density's up and the gas is down, open the choke. Let's go to town. Thanks, everybody. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next week for another episode of Oil & Gas Onshore, a production of Oil & Gas Global Network. For more information, visit OGGN.com. <laughs>